You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Praise God. It's good to say hello to one another. It's good to connect. Remember the book of Acts says the early Christians devoted themselves to teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, and to fellowship. Fellowship, which is an old word for community, is a spiritual activity. So it is good to connect. Okay, I'm going to talk today about um, a guy in the Bible called Simon. I'm using the title Simon Says, and that's an old game that as children over in Polyduff Road here on the south side of the city, I can remember playing with all the kids around. Has anyone, does everyone who knows this game called Simon Says? Okay, so only about half of us know it. Um, So Simon Says is simply a game where you've got a leader and the leader is talking to all the other kids and they're in a row and he gives instructions and if he says Simon Says you're to do it, but then if he doesn't say that, you don't do it, and if you make a mistake, you're out. So he goes, Simon says, put your hands on your head. Everyone does it, and then he says, take them down. And if anyone takes them down without Simon said, K. McAvoy will tell us you're out. out. <laughs> so that's the game we certainly played in Ireland. I was told they played in Germany and America as well, but there you go. So I just want to use that because we're looking at a guy called Simon, And we're looking at him, and I'm looking at him today. I feel God has asked me to share about this. So I want to welcome Cafe Church, who are watching downstairs, live stream. Good to see you, Cafe Church. How about a big extrovert shout to let us know you're down there? Come on. You see, they're all introverted down there, aren't they? No shout, no shout, okay. Maybe they're still eating their croissants. Anyway, I've been... um, I haven't spoken for almost a month between holidays and uh, different people speaking, which was a great blessing. But Janie, lads, I'm fired up to speak today. But it's no good me being fired up. You've got to be fired up to listen. Are you up for it? Are you up for it? One more time, are you up for it? Let God move. Let his words stir our hearts. Change our lives. Heal our bodies and our minds and our souls. And may God deliver us from all our fears. Hallelujah. Simon says, Acts chapter 8. This is an interesting one. Because it tells us when the Christian church began, there was just one church in the whole world. And it was in a city. Anyone tell me the name of the city? Mm -hmm. A bit louder. Jerusalem. So there was one Christian church in the world in Jerusalem. And you know what? They were getting very cozy, a little bit cozy. So God allowed a persecution to come. So the thing that was negative that came, which was a persecution, meant that a lot of the Christians who were there had to move out. And when they moved out, God greatly used them. And one of those was called Philip. So the curse turned into a blessing. Hallelujah. So if something messy happens in your life, can I encourage you to step back? Instead of losing the cool, just have a a think and go, 
well, what is God going to do with this situation in my life? Is he going to turn what looks bad into a great blessing? Because the God I know is a God who does that. So uh, Philip was one of the leaders in Jerusalem. He was a deacon, so he was under the elders and the apostles. But God began to use him greatly, so he escapes from Jerusalem and being thrown in prison. And he goes to the next province up. So, okay, let's just read it here and then we'll explain it. So, here we come into verse 4 of Acts 8. And just as we do it, we pray, O oh God, that your word would nourish us today. Would anyone say amen? amen? We ask, Lord, that if anyone has a cold heart or a closed mind, that it wouldn't be the words of man that would open minds and hearts, but it would be the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we are nothing, but you are everything. And you are well able to move now and move upon hearts and minds. We ask that you would move. And even while we're listening and talking, that you would be working in a powerful way here in Jesus' name. Amen. So Acts 8, starting at verse 4, abridged version. Philip went to Samaria, where the crowds heard him preach. And they saw the signs and wonders following. With shrieks, evil spirits were cast out. And many were also healed. Now for some time, a man called Simon practiced magic in Samaria. And all the people there followed Simon saying, this man is the power of God. But when Philip came, the people believed in Jesus and were baptized. Simon also believed and was baptized. Then Peter and John came down from Jerusalem and laying hands on the people, they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw how the Spirit came upon people with the laying on of hands, he offered Peter money. Give me this power too, he said, so I also can impart the Holy Spirit. And Peter replied, May your money die with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God. You have no part in this ministry, as you are full of bitterness and sin. Repent and pray that God forgives you. And then Simon said, pray that nothing like this will happen to me. And then the narrative ends, and we're not told what happened to Simon. And sometimes the Bible, God's word, will deliberately do that to leave us hanging there. And when we're hanging there, with most human beings, you start looking and reflecting about yourself. And that's precisely why it's just left there like that. Did he really move on with God, or did he drift away? We can't say for certainty. But this is God's word. It's vital that we see a little bit of the context if we're really going to understand this. And can I encourage you, um, 
when you come to church and you hear the likes of myself or Michael or any of the other guys and girls in the church preaching, you really need to go home and look it up as well. Amen? Amen. You need to feed yourself at home. So when you come to church, as leaders in the church, we will do our best to feed you. But if you're not feeding also at home, you're not really going to grow spiritually. So I'm reading from Max 8. Read the whole chapter at home yourself. Uh, tonight, tomorrow, whenever you get a chance, and reflect on it to fully get the benefit, excuse me, of what we're looking at here. So let's just give you a bit of context. Here we have a map on the screens of uh, Palestine or Israel during the Roman times and the time of Jesus and the early church. And they were all in the Roman Empire, so everybody was under one rule, but there were self-governing provinces. And it's a bit, little bit like the European Union. You, there was free movement of people and goods and so on. So it was easy enough to move from one to the other, but they were all separate in their own way. So Philip came from Judea, this big red blob down in the end of your screen. That was Judea, and down there was Jerusalem. And he went to the next province up, the yellow one, Samaria. And then, just finally, for reference, just above that is the other Jewish area, Galilee. Who came from Galilee? Jesus. And many of the early apostles came from Galilee. We'll be looking at that again soon. So this is the context of the area. That's what happened. So Philip goes there. But he goes to these Samaritans. And it's important to remember who they were. They were racially mixed. They're Belief was mixed. They weren't really Gentiles, but they weren't really Jews either. And I think this is reflective of a lot of people today and a lot of us today. If you go back to 2 Kings 17, you can read that Israel was invaded and a lot of Jews left, but some stayed in the northern part of Israel, Samaria. And we're told that the emperor brought in settlers and they married in with the Jews. So Samaritans... We're like mixed race. It's like if dad was Nigerian and mum was Irish or something like that. These guys were mixed race. So back then, race was a huge thing, way more so than now. But back then, it was a big thing. And these guys were neither Jew nor Gentile. Gentile means non-Jew. Therefore, their faith, their belief was a mixture. A lot of it was Jewish, but there was other wrong stuff crept in as well. So they had a mixed faith. You can read about it in John 4. If you go to the future, um, about a year or two after what we just read, we read that Peter went to Cornelius' home, and he was a full-on Gentile, a Roman, and the Holy Spirit fell there as well. And they all began to speak in tongues, the scripture says. And they, they worshipped God. And they were Gentiles, and that was a huge issue. Because the whole church either rejoiced, Half of them rejoiced and the other half were very uncomfortable because they were Gentiles. But way before that, God started moving with the Samaritans. So they weren't really seen as Gentiles. But if you look at Ezra 4 and elsewhere in the New Testament, they weren't really seen as Jews either. They were kind of in a nowhere place. But you know what they did? They made their own community. And you can see it all over the Bible and you can see it today. I don't know about you, but an awful lot of life today, even way back when I first became a Christian at the age of 19, I couldn't fit into it. I said, I don't like that. 
That's not who I am. I'm not going to buy into that kind of thing. And that's why we need an alternative community like a Christian church. Amen? Amen. That's where you can be who God has called you to be. So we don't have to fit in with the ways of the world. So anyway, these were the Samaritans. This is the context that Philip was going into. Probably a few eyebrows raised. You're going to who? The Samaritans. But this is who God called Philip to go to. If you remember as well for context, Luke 9, right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, we're told that James and John, when they were traveling through Samaria, said to Jesus, will we call down fire from heaven and destroy that Samaritan village? You see, this shows the animosity the Jews had. And this is James and John, two of the disciples of the apostles, John the Beloved. John, the guy who just loved everyone, but look who he was as a young man. Kill him, Lord. That's what he was saying. Kill him. And it, that is the context that Philip went into. So it began with James and John wanting the Samaritans dead because they didn't give water or food to Jesus when he was passing. And Jesus rebuked them and wouldn't allow it, obviously. But this is where it comes from. And now we see Philip going in to Samaria without any prejudice in his heart. Even though his culture would have said, have nothing to do with the Samaritans. Even though his history like this would have said, have nothing to do with the Samaritans. Don't go there. They're not your kind of people. And yet, Philip goes in to Samaria without any prejudice. There's a lot of prejudice today, isn't there? So there's racism and there's reverse racism. There's prejudice that goes always, all different ways. There was a pastor from America visiting us about six months ago. And I was having a coffee upstairs in the atrium with him. And a few others were there. My daughter was there as well. And he asked me, he came from the south in America, Alabama, I think it was. And there's a lot of issues between black and white people there. And a lot of the churches even are quite divided, which is sad. It's like, you know, quite, quite separate. And he asked me, was there a lot of racism here in Ireland? And I said, statistically, I don't, I don't know that there's a huge amount you know, I, I don't think so. But afterwards, my daughter um, said to me, I think you were wrong to say it. And she was right. And she said, what would I know as a white, mature Irish man? Would I really know about racism? How would I know? Ask a black teenager. Ask an Asian young adult. Ask them, do they ever hear of racism? She was bang on. You ask people. Did they have it? So I don't know to what degree there's racism, but there probably is racism, and I think many people here probably have seen a little bit of it, whether it's low-key or high-key. But you know what? There's all kinds of prejudice. I live in an Irish-speaking village. Sometimes I meet with one of the local groups there, um, and we were meeting in uh, a pub having coffee and we were having a discussion in Irish and some of the English speakers, because it's a village that is kind of 50-50 Irish English speakers, started mocking the Irish speakers. So here you have Irish people, all white, and there's prejudice one to the other. And I've heard the Irish speakers mock the English speakers. So we see prejudice everywhere. A lot of the times women are prejudiced against by men, isn't that right? 
Oh no, it's not. Hallelujah! I don't know. Ladies, have you ever felt prejudice or experienced prejudice from a man? Okay, there you go, yes. Here's a funny one. Sometimes men have prejudice against them by women. Isn't that right, brothers? <laughs> I remember a girl was joking all the time, and it was always, men are so stupid. And I said, if I said that about women, I would be regarded as being quite biased. But it's okay if you... So this works both ways, amen? Men can be prejudiced against women. Women can be prejudiced against men. Pe travelers can be prejudiced against. And it can work the other way. So prejudice is everywhere. It's something in the human psyche. Here's what I want to say. Philip had no room in his heart for prejudice. Because when the love of God takes over your heart, there's no room for prejudice. Would anyone say amen? That's the truth. There can be no room for any kind of prejudice. And the Bible tells us, how do you know someone loves God? Because they love one another. So if you really have the love of God in your heart, you won't have any room for this. And, and this is what was happening with Philip. And if you look at James and John, they left behind all that kind of prejudice. And churches like ours need to be like a lighthouse, like a beacon to our society. And we've got 34 nationalities in the church. Loads of Irish, loads of other nationalities. And I think it's wonderful. Hallelujah. I uh, tweeted on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter during the week. Something I remember my uncles and aunts telling me as a child happened in the UK and happened in America. That signs would be put up if a house was for rent or if there was a job in a factory. And the sign would say, no dogs, no blacks, no Irish. And that happened right up until the early mid-1960s. So if an Irish person has prejudice against someone, you really need to take a good long look in the mirror because if we're prejudiced against people, it's not that long ago that we ourselves were prejudiced against. So no dogs, no black, no Irish. You know what I say? More dogs, more blacks, more Irish. Who'll say amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. So without any prejudice, Philip goes into Samaria because the only thing motivating him is God and the work of God. So in he goes. He doesn't have prejudice. And by God's grace, we won't leave any room in our hearts for prejudice. Look at verse 6. We're told that the crowds heard Philip preach and saw the signs and wonders following. So God's word was preached. He taught from the word of God, and then signs and wonders were following. It's this combination. You can go some places and all you'll have is the word preached and you'll never hear anything about anyone get healed or anyone being delivered or anyone knowing the power of God in their lives. And then you can go to other places and it's all signs and wonders and there's nothing from the Bible preached. We need both. But it's so important, I think, in Ireland today for us to declare not only was the word preached, but signs and wonders following. It was preached with signs and wonders following. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to say those four words, signs and wonders following with me, so that you'll remember it. When we say it out, we remember. And 
We need to have an expectancy in our faith that if we come into church with a broken heart, God can heal the broken heart. If we have an illness, the Bible tells us, the Lord, it's not always going to happen. We can't command it, but God's tendency is to heal his people. Amen? Amen. And if we have any issue, we can bring it in prayer. So signs and wonders following is the Jesus way. Wherever Jesus went, there were miracles. So if Jesus is there, we'll see miracles follow. No miracles, no Jesus. Signs and wonders following. I want to see that in my life. Do you? I want everything God has for us. Sign. Let's say it together. At the count of three, signs and wonders following. One, two, three. Signs and wonders following. So when you're going to sleep tonight, I hope you'll remember you said those words. Because this is what the Bible says. This is the Jesus way. And this is the way that we can see God move today. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus still does miracles. Hallelujah. So the people, there was a great revival in this province of Samaria. They enthusiastically welcomed the word of God and the signs and wonders following. Remember Jesus broke the cultural rules and connected with the woman at the well in a town called Sychar in Samaria. And she went and said to all her neighbors, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. And all that town believed. So Jesus had prepared the soil, I speak spiritually, of people's hearts. And Philip now came in to move and to reap what Jesus had sown. And we're told in this mix that for some time this man Simon practiced magic. The word is sorcery. That's an old word, but it's magic, sorcery, witchcraft. And all the people followed him saying, this man is the power of God. It's very interesting. They didn't say this man has great power. They said he is the power of God. So the Samaritans were beginning to elevate this man to a position almost like a God. Now, this is the difference between Samaritans and Jews. The Jews would never have fallen for the magic trick because they would have been too grounded in the word of God to have gone to a witch to have gone to a fortune teller or someone who could do that type of magic. And that rule still applies today, amen? Amen. We don't go to witches. We don't go to seances. We don't go to someone to tell our fortune. Yeah? You don't do it. Because you, you, you dabble with something you don't understand. So the Samaritans believed the Bible, but there was lots of this stuff in there as well. So this guy held huge power. And if you read into it, you can see he really loved the fact that the crowds were into him and were told. But when Philip came, the people of Samaria believed in Jesus and they were baptized. So they quickly leave behind the magic stuff and the fortune telling and that kind of stuff. And they move on and they begin to follow Jesus and they look to be baptized. Now, let me show you something. I have here in my hand a 50 euro note. A 50 euro note, and it's real. It's, I was going to say it's from the Bank of Ireland. No, it's the Bank of Europe, but anyway. 
So it's a real 50 euro note. Now, I don't know whether you read or not, but about six weeks ago, there was a bunch of counterfeit 50 euro notes circulating around the city. Anytime there's something real, there's going to be a counterfeit. There is no such thing as a counterfeit 40 euro note. You know why? Because there isn't a real one. So when God does something genuine, now I'm putting this back in my pocket. I can see you all looking at it. You're not going to get it. <laughs> when God does something genuine, the devil always tries and imitates it. There are spiritual, heavenly languages, tongues from God. There's also devilish tongues. There is healing from God, and there's also false healing. Very often, false healing from magic won't last, or else it'll bring on a worse issue. When God heals, he heals. Hallelujah. And he heals totally. So the people began to believe the real message and not the fake message. They turned to the real source of power and not the counterfeit or fake source of power. So a great revival happened in Samaria, and here we get uncomfortable. Simon also believed and was baptized. It's as plain as you can get it. He genuinely believed, and he was baptized. And what we also say, and we'll be saying it to all those who, got baptized, who will be getting baptized in September, we always say when we do them every Easter in September that baptism isn't about the end. It's not that you're perfect. It's about the beginning. It's about that you've started to follow the Lord. So Simon was baptized and he had a load of mixed up thinking in his head. Baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're forgiven. Amen. So Simon believed and was baptized, and this is the context of everything that was going on. It's incredible. And then we find out Peter and John came from Jerusalem, laid hands on the people there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because this had not yet happened. Now, when we invite Jesus into our lives, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. But there is a second experience, a second blessing, John Wesley of the Methodist Revival used to call it, where the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, and we get a power from the Holy Spirit and an anointing, very often evidenced by tongues and prophecy and so on. And so they called the big guys down from Jerusalem. One of them was John, the fellow who wanted to burn them all. But what a difference in his life. He was in a totally different place now. It reminds me of Corrie ten Boom, the Dutch writer who was put into a Nazi concentration camp in World War II because she was trying to hide Jews from being put to death there. And she and her sister and father were put in one of the big concentration camps and were told that there was one particular uh, German Nazi security guard who was very cruel. And he was so cruel, he used to humiliate herself and her sister and make them walk naked. And these were mature ladies. Make them walk naked across the yard after the showers. He'd kick them. He'd spit at them. He'd hurl abuse at them. My goodness, that's prejudice. 
and her sister ended up dying as a result of it. She survived, got out of the concentration camp and went on to be greatly used by God. She was a believer. And about eight or nine years after she was released, she was speaking at a church in Germany and she was praying for people after the service. And who comes up the aisle? It's like he's sitting down the back and he comes up here. Only that very guard. And he came up with tears coming down his face. And she knew, she had a decision to make. If she didn't really forgive him and pray God's blessing on him, then Christianity was all a fake lie. But she knew her Savior. And she knew that Jesus is the real deal. So she made the decision, even though every feeling within her and all those memories about her sister dying in that concentration camp came up. I think it was Auschwitz she was in. It all came up, but she made the decision, no, I'll show forgiveness. And you know when she made that decision, she writes, she knew the blessing of God was poured out on her. She wasn't going to keep unforgiveness in her soul because the only person who would have a negative result of that was herself. She puts herself in prison. Now, he was blessed that she forgave him. And this is a bit like John. He wanted them dead, and now he was coming down to pray the blessing of God in their lives. That's what Jesus does. Hallelujah. He transforms lives, and he changes our thinking and our feeling. Praise God. So they came down and they laid hands. That means a bit like what we did with the lads there. Put hands on their heads and their shoulders. We're told the Holy Spirit came on them in power because that hadn't happened yet. And we see, when Simon saw this, he offered Peter money saying, give me this ability too. Now some people say that when Peter and John prayed for the Holy Spirit to come upon them, they kind of had a nice peaceful feeling. Do you know what? I don't buy that. Because... If there was a nice peaceful feeling, I don't think Simon would be up with the money trying to buy the gift. There was something powerful happened when this experience took place. It doesn't tell us what happened, but if we interpret it within the context of Scripture, we know that they almost certainly began to praise God in uh, spiritual prayer languages. They would have begun to prophesy. There would have been healings. There would have been miracles. So it was powerful powerful and Simon sees this and he's really enticed by it and he's amazed at what was going on and so he begins to offer money if you're into ecclesiastical history this is known as the sin of simony it's taken from the name Simon and it's an old English word and it's still used and it means where we try to buy something spiritual, the sin of simony. And personally, I get uncomfortable with some churches where it's all about money and you can't do anything and you have to pay for it. Now we live in a culture, you and me, in a consumer culture where if we value something, we'll buy it. I really like Netflix. I'm going to pay the fee every month. Or I like Sky TV. Or I really like Starbucks coffee. I'll pay extra for that. This is the context we live in. But it creeps in sometimes to the Christian church where everything is bought and sold. And you know what? The Bible says, freely, freely, you have received. Freely, freely. 
who said receive, freely, freely give. If you get it for free, you give it for free. Hallelujah. And it was Jesus who overturned the money, ta- the money lenders' tables in the temple. I mean, not very polite. He came in like a thunderbolt. Oh, I was hoping I'd have a nice quiet day in the temple. Oh, no, here comes Jesus. He wasn't having it. And so the sin of simony, yes, we need to pay for transport and accommodation. I, I don't mean it like that. But when, I mean, I saw a ministry recently where you had to send money and they would then send you um, a handkerchief with the blessing. But you had to pay them for the handkerchief and then you got the handkerchief and you put it on wherever you were sick. And you know what? I don't like that. I don't think that's really good. I think it's a bit like the sin of simony, that kind of thing. If they really cared, they'd pray for you. No charge. No charge. Freely we receive, freely we give. So he tried to do this, the sin of simony. Look at Peter's response. May your money die with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God. You have no part in this ministry. Repent and pray. You know, I would have loved to have been in Samaria and been at these meetings. I would have loved to have heard Philip preach. I would love to see the signs and wonders and be part of the buzz and the revival. But I wouldn't love to be watching that conversation. That's a very uncomfortable conversation to be listening on to, where Peter fully, publicly rebukes him. And I'm sure a few people here would go, I'd love to be at that. That's great crack. (laughs) But anyway, look at the way he handled him. And you can say Peter was very extreme. Actually, he wasn't. This is the beginnings of the Christian church. And if Peter hadn't nipped this in the bud, something quite cancerous, cancerous would have taken over the Christian church. So Peter nipped it in the bud. And he did it from a right motive because he cared enough about Simon that he wouldn't buy into a lie. And... You know, it's very interesting. If you read earlier on in Peter's own life, one night Jesus wanted to wash the disciples' feet and Peter said to Jesus, no, you can't wash my feet. And you know what Jesus said? If you don't allow me to wash your feet, you can have no part with me. So the very same words that were used by Jesus to Peter, Peter now uses to Simon. And what he's doing is he is correcting or confronting something that is wrong. Now, there's a place in all of our lives for this. Um, The Bible says, however, if you correct a wise person, they will love you. But if you correct a foolish person, they'll hate you. So be careful who you correct. First thing, you have to have a right attitude. You're not sorting them out. You're doing it because you genuinely care about their future. You love them. I can remember a couple many years ago, lovely couple, gave their lives to the Lord, but they were living together. They weren't married at all, and they were sexually active. And the Bible tells us we need to be married. Okay, about four people agree with that? And I said, there's others going, I'm never coming to this church again. You know, I can't help that. This is what the Bible says. I remember, but they were both wise. They were young Christians. We said, you know, have you considered getting married? Because... You're you're really blocking some of the blessing God has for your life if you're not going to get your act together and go the right way. 
and the two of them, and I remember, and they were wise, and they said, we never knew that. We said, that's the Christian way. And you know what? They accepted it, and they got married, and God, had, God has blessed them, and I'm not going to say who they were, but they're great Christians, and they're fantastic kids now. But I could say that because they were wise. There's other people, and if you say something like that to them, they'll just take offense. Who do you think you are? Are you that kind of person? That no matter what anyone says to you, you go, and who do you think you are? Because if that's you, maybe you're a fool. And I don't want to be a fool. Now, if the whole lot of you are coming up to sort me out afterwards, <laughs> that's another thing. But you get, you get the picture. There are times you need to be discerning. If you are going to correct someone, say, is this person wise? Can they handle it? Or are they just pig-headed and they won't listen to anyone? Because if they're like that, maybe you should pray about it for a while. You may be casting pearls before swine, the scripture says. So be careful on that one. But Peter needed not only to do it for Simon, but it needed to be heard by the whole church because this is a fundamental principle of Christianity, that you don't allow money to take over what is in essence a free gift and spiritually um, motivated rather than financially motivated. You see, blessing does not follow money, though money can follow blessing. Do you get the difference? Blessing doesn't follow money. Just because you give a load of money doesn't mean you're going to be blessed. But money often does follow blessing. And God often blesses people financially when they do the right thing. But you don't buy the gifts of God. So this is nipped in the bud and it's awkward. And a lot of people are going, oh, it's so embarrassing to hear that. But Peter had to set it up the right way so that this Christian church that today we follow and we set our lives by, we don't see this. And perhaps some today should read this scripture and just reflect on it because it's a fantastic principle of freely, freely you have received freely freely give see Simon wanted power he didn't want a relationship really he wanted loads of power but I don't know that he wanted to relate with the Holy Spirit it was almost like he wanted a genie God do you know what a genie is when I was a small child some of people my age will remember on Irish TV there was um, a TV series called genie in the bottle or something anyone remember that <laughs> I dream of genie and it was all about this kind of bottle and if you rubbed the bottle the genie came out and genie was the character in this movie and you could get your wishes from her some people approach God like he's a genie in the bottle and if you do what I want Jesus I'll follow you but if you don't do what I want I'm not interested can I appeal to you follow Jesus anyway amen follow him and love him anyway because he'll test your heart and he'll test mine and see if we really love him anyway. So Peter corrects him. I'm coming to a close. And look at his response. Pray that nothing like this will happen to me. I don't know that that's really repentance, but we're not really sure. He certainly believed Peter's words and he didn't want to go down that road. And I can tell you for a fact, Simon didn't go to the next apostle and offer them money either. So we can be fairly sure that it was nipped in the bud and this is how God moves. So as I come to a close, I want to pray for a couple of things. 
I'm not going to pray for you not to be prejudiced against someone because that's just basic Christianity. But I will pray if you have experienced a prejudice that you wouldn't take the prejudice out the door with you, that you would be able to leave that prejudice here in Grace Christian Church today and leave it at the feet of Jesus and don't allow it to fester or to impact you. Let's rise above, rise above prejudice. Would anyone say amen? Whether you're a woman and men have prejudice against you, or you're a man and women have prejudice against you, or you're black or Asian or mixed race and people have said cruel things to you, or you're a traveler and people have said stuff against you, or you're not good looking enough, or you're not sporting enough, or you speak the wrong language, or you've got red hair, or you've got no hair. There's all kinds of prejudice. And some of us, it goes over our heads, but some of us, it hurts. So let's leave it at the foot of the cross this morning. Finally, you know, Simon really wanted the applause of the crowd. It was important to him that people looked up to him. But really the only one we need to have the applause of is God. We serve an audience of one. And I just want to appeal today, perhaps some of us here have someone in our lives who's got that kind of control over us, and they, their opinion almost means more than God, even if it's a partner, or a son, or a daughter, or a mum, or a dad. Let's pray that God will be our number one, and nobody will have that power over us. And I want to pray generally as well that none of us fall into that, that we'll always keep God as our number one, and his approval is what really motivates us. Joseph Band, can you come up? We're going to sing an old song, and I'm sure you know the song. You definitely know it. It was probably the first Christian song I ever heard way back in the day. I was going to say it's still going strong. Now, it's still going, and it's the old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I love the line in it that says, though none go with me, still I will follow. And, and that basically means whatever people think, I'm going to make sure my heart is right, and I'm going to follow God. So we're going to sing, then we're going to pray before we close. Can I ask you to stand for our final five minutes or so and we throw the words up let's sing it from the beginning I have decided to follow Jesus and then we'll go into don't long go with me Has anyone here experienced prejudice and you're just determined you're not going to let that shadow follow you? If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Whether you're a man or a woman, white or black, young or old, 
Okay, just leave your hands up, guys. And is there anyone here who's going to say today, even though there are people I really and deeply love, I declare today that I actually love Jesus the most. And they're a your opinion, God, is more important to me. Can you lift up your hands if that's you and you want to pray that today? Okay, so there's loads of hands up all over. Can I ask the guys about the prejudice to leave your seat first and come forward? Can you make your way up to the top? Let's leave that bad experience, that memory, that hurt, that ignorance at the feet of Jesus. Praise God. And it's incredible widespread this can be and very often we're embarrassed by it could the prayer and care team come forward as well let's just pray for our brothers and our sisters here can I ask you guys to lift up your hands and put whoever that person was or that institution or that that group just put them in your hands and lift them up to the Lord we thank you, Jesus, today that you have no prejudice against anyone because you are no respecter of man or privilege or race or age. We are all equal in your sight. And so we praise you, Lord, that we can come before you today as a God who accepts us exactly as we are. And so now with our hands raised, we give you that person, we give you that organization, we give you that group of people, and we ask you, Lord, that as we hand them over to you, that we wouldn't bring that shadow out the door with us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we can leave it here and that we can be set free from any shadow or any experience that would drag us down spiritually, mentally or emotionally. And so we hand it over to you, Lord, and we pray you would take the burden and lift it now from off our shoulders. Come, Holy Spirit, and set us free. Your Father in heaven would impart to you, my beloved Son, today, and your God would say to you that the experience you have been through has been like a pruning and even though it was wrong and even though it hurts the Lord would say it has brought you closer to me and I'm going to use this says the Lord you are going to learn from this and the Lord would have you consider it like uh, a sharp sword that was come to take away dead flesh because because of this says the Lord you are more humble more sensitive and as you leave this on the altar says the Lord you will be even more blessed because the Lord is going to use you in ways you never thought possible the Lord is going to open doors that no man could open because your heart is right before me says the Lord I will make sure that you will have the opportunity and the ability 
ability to help others and to shine the light and to show the path of recovery to others because as men hate God will love and my love truly conquers all and you will be as it were an advocate almost an apostle as it were to declare that the love of God will overcome any prejudice of man prepare your heart says the Lord and see the opportunities where I will use you and it will amaze you and it will be strange because when you are used many will come to faith because of this issue and because of your experience I will turn what was a curse and I will turn it into a blessing in your life you and the ones you love and this is the word of the Lord Amen Hallelujah Amen Praise God Can I ask those who want to say to the Lord today I will never allow a human being have that power over me and you might be saying it just because it's a real issue and maybe this is something you decided years ago but you're just declaring it again Jesus is my number one I'm assuming that's most of us but if you can say it can you lift up your hand okay you can stay up here guys let's just do it up here let's lift up our hands to the Lord oh God you your word says that your eyes roam throughout the earth and you see everything. I pray you would see us in here this afternoon. See the hearts, the minds, and the hands of the men and women who are declaring, Jesus is our number one. There is no one quite like you, O oh God. And we declare today that we will love you first. And we want your applause. We want your approval before the approval of any man or woman or anyone who we love. And so in here today, we ask God that something of your Holy Spirit would fall upon us and give us the power and give us the strength and the determination to always put you first. And we say that in the name of Jesus and all who agreed with that prayer said, Amen. Amen. I've one more word of knowledge. You guys can go back to your seats, but let's just stay standing. I just sensed from the Holy Spirit, I didn't do this earlier. We were talking about sorcery and magic. And I feel the Lord is saying that some of us here today, God wants to touch you and you experience something from someone, whether it was a witch or a fortune teller or someone who was into kind of fake healing and somewhere in your past you experienced that and I sense from the Holy Spirit right now that whatever happened then God has something better for you and I sense we should just pray a blessing over you whether this happened last week or it happened 30 years ago we want to pray a blessing over anyone who went in to the occult for any help in the past if that's you can you lift your hand there's no shame you're not doing it anymore you're a Christian now praise God anyone okay I can see a few hands coming up could you guys come forward we want to pray a blessing over you just come up so we can pray a blessing no power of the enemy can outshine the power of Jesus amen yeah come up if you put up your hand to that praise God can the rest of us pray a blessing on these guys as they've had the courage to come up 
So whether you went to a fortune teller or a witch or whatever it was, or someone who was claiming to heal and the power wasn't in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray a blessing in place of that. Amen. Can you join with us? Would you move a hand like that if you don't mind? Just to pray a blessing. So for every one of our sisters, oh God, for each one and our brothers, oh God, we pray now that a blessing of Jesus Christ would come. And whatever happened back then, we declare you have no power in this life anymore. This heart belongs to Jesus. And we pray the blessing of Jesus Christ into your life. And we cut off any sense of power from a witch or from a fortune teller. And we set you fully free. And in its place, we pray a deeper blessing. We pray a deeper understanding of Jesus. And we pray a healing that goes far beyond any fake healing the enemy can give. So we declare over each one of you, liberty in the name of Jesus and the people of God said. We give these guys a round of applause that took courage. God bless you guys. God bless each one of you. Let's take one 60 seconds before we close. How about we declare the truth together? I have decided to follow Jesus. And as we decide, and as we continue to decide, by God's will, many thousands of others will as well. Let's declare it together before we close. I have. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No, no. Thank you for joining with us today. Every one of you is a blessing, and we're delighted you came here. We're serving tea and coffee in the atrium. It's all free upstairs if you'd like to join us. If you have to go, God bless you. Our teenagers, I see, have just arrived in. Be sure to say goodbye to Armand's Loma, Ma uh, Arthur and Monica. The guys are going to play us out as we make our way. Joseph. I have decided to follow Jesus.